Hey friends, welcome to Anchored In Always. I'm Katie Thornhill, and I've been through the storms of marriage infidelity, drug and alcohol addiction of a loved one, and even loss of a child to cancer. In this podcast, I will share with you how to place healthy boundaries in your relationships, how to recover from past hurts using the principles of Christian recovery, and how to find healing even in the loss of a loved one, so that you can live a life of joy and purpose despite your circumstances. If you're ready to find freedom and victory, then join me on a journey of soul restoration as we anchor into Jesus. So pull your hair back, strap on your boots, and grab your Bible, and let's weather this storm. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to Anchored In Always. Um, so the a few episodes back, I did, I think it was episode 30 or 46, I did an episode with my husband on um, marriage. And um, in that particular episode, we had talked a little bit about um, just the futility really of, of trying to um, fix your spouse or, or change them. Um, the idea that if they would um, stop certain things or change, then everything would be better in your marriage. Um, and just how typically it, 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 it's something with both people that needs to be addressed. Um, sometimes one more than the other, but we talked a lot about that in that episode. And since that episode, I have had um, lots of people reach out to me, especially women that have just shared um, some of the hardships that they are um, going through in their marriage and um, just asking for prayer and encouragement. Um, and then also my husband and I lead Celebrate Recovery, which uh, is a ministry in our church. And we see just a lot of people coming through the doors um, every single week that their marriages are in crisis. And um, often there's a behavior, a hurt habit or hang up that, that they're really struggling with to cope, um, whether that be drugs and alcohol or infidelity, um, sometimes pornography, um, just things that are affecting and impacting the marriage relationship. And so one or sometimes both of the spouses come to CR and there is they are just in crisis and they are desperately trying to hold on to the marriage, but really struggling. And so I know that this is a big problem for a lot of people. Um, and so I'm really excited to have my dad, um, Pastor Mike Stambaugh, back on the podcast today. Um, if you've been listening to a lot of the episodes, he's he's been on several times. And the, the reason I have him on so often, well, because he's my dad, and I think he's pretty awesome. But uh, in addition to that, um, I love the wisdom and the biblical knowledge that he brings. Um, my dad's always just had a, a passion and a love for the word of God, studying it and teaching it. Um, and so I wanted to bring him on today because he also has a lot of experience um, with meeting over the years as a pastor, meeting with couples um, and, 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 and talking to them about marriage um, issues in their marriage. So dad, welcome to back to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you, honey. That's always good to to be here, and I get the joy uh, of uh, seeing your face as we do this because we're on Zoom. We don't get to see everybody else, but I get to see you, and so that's exciting. I and en I enjoy that time especially. To it as well. So, um, 
Dad, I just um, really wanted to uh, just have you kind of speak today a little bit and share with our listeners, um, you know, as a pastor for over 30 years, um, I know you've met with uh, lots of couples um, throughout throughout the years, and I just was wanting to see if you could share with us, what are some of the more common um, issues that, that were brought to you um, as far as marriage um, over the years of your counseling? Well, that's a, uh, that's a good question to begin with, Katie, because surprisingly, it may surprise uh, you and those listening that it, it wasn't, and, I, and over 23 years at one church here in Cadillac, uh, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many people I counseled in marriage. And uh, and I got to tell you, I, I <laughs> it sounds crazy, I hated it. Uh, marriage counseling was the hardest thing to do because it seemed like people, uh, marriage, I, I pictured marriage counseling as um, uh, people bringing a 500-piece puzzle and dumping it on my desk um, and then throwing away the picture that came on the box so that I knew what it was supposed to look like. Mm. Um, it was just, you know, because usually marriage is such a, uh, it's such an intimate, personal thing. Most couples wait way too long to try to get help because there's just the embarrassment of coming in and saying this is broke, um, you, you know, and, and I understand that. I, I mean, I get that. Um, part of the reason I continued to do it was I just was flabbergasted at the unbiblical counsel that was given to couples, even in our area, that I, I just, it, it just floored me. The things that these couples would come in and say they learned from this counselor or that counselor. And I, was, and I thought, man, it, somebody's just got to speak the truth, the truth of God's word to them. Because God designed marriage, and he knew there'd be problems because he knew that he was handing it to people who are sinful. And so, you know, uh, one thing about sinful people is we have a great ability to be able to mess up good things. And um, so, you know, he gave us not just the blueprint for marriage, but also how to fix those things that are broken. And yet so many people don't turn to the word of God. Surprisingly, honey, the, the most common issues are not what I would call the big three. Uh, infidelity, uh, abuse, and uh, financial issues, major financial issues. Those are usually the big three. Those are the ones that, that talk about the, the, they, they, they're what contributed to divorce the most seemingly. It, it's more, um, in the 23 years, what I found it was more of the little things that seemed to wear down a marriage over time. It's an interesting verse in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. Of course, Solomon, Song of Solomon is a kind of a love story about uh, Solomon and his love for, the, for this gal, and, and uh, they kind of go back and forth in those eight chapters and that kind of thing. But there's interesting in, in chapter 2, verse 15. And there's a lot of debate about who's talking here, whether the woman's talking or Solomon's talking or whatever. It doesn't make any difference for, for us. One of them says this, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. Now, there's all kinds of interpretations about what, what they meant by that. But basically, in Song of Solomon, the vineyards had to do with their relationship. 
And what it was, what it's really saying was that there are little little foxes, and I, and, I, and and it's very interesting that the vineyard, in a broad sense, is that relationship between the man and the woman. The little foxes were anything that could create havoc or damage in that relationship, and and it was true in those times that foxes did like vineyards, and they it is said that they like grapes. So, you know, I and I also thought thought it was interesting that the emphasis was on little. The little foxes. First, it's, foxes is used twice there. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that spoil the vines. Um, in other words, the little foxes that would seem so insignificant that you don't see the damage at first because it's, it doesn't seem that big. But over the course of time, it becomes very instructive. And that's exactly what Song of Psalms is saying. Don't let little foxes creep into your marriage that you kind of ignore at the beginning or you make excuses for at the beginning. But all of a sudden, uh, they become major, major things. Okay. You know, an example of that is this. If, if there's infidelity, that's big. Okay. That's, that's a big thing. We know that. If a husband doesn't listen to his wife at first the wife tends to overlook that it's not necessarily a big deal at the beginning of message of, of the marriage you know it's like oh he's got a lot on his mind or, but usually the wife starts making excuses for him and you know that kind of thing it, it seems very insignificant but over time if that continues you know the wife doesn't make excuses for him anymore pretty soon you don't listen to me you don't talk to me you, you know it, there's damage that happens and many of the things that I've seen in counseling really attest to that because uh, something that is really a significant problem or issue to one spouse is relatively insignificant to another. That's, that's kind of a little fox. Oh, that's not a big deal. So, you know, the wife may have a big deal, but the husband doesn't see it as a big deal. Or the husband has a big deal. The wife doesn't see it as a big deal. Therefore, there's not a focused concentration in dealing with these things initially. Uh, and by the time you do deal with them, uh, so much damage has been done, it's hard to know where to begin to work. So, you know, I guess if I was going to mention, you know, probably the next question that would go with this is what are some of those little foxes? Okay, so if it's not the big three, what is it that I saw? And four things came to my mind. Um, unresolved conflicts. Issues that never get resolution between couples. They're either buried, they're ignored, but there's no resolution to them. But they're they're always brewing under the surface of things. And, and they can they can always crop up and create havoc. Uh, and they continue to build. I've always said with conflicts, you can't avoid conflicts, but you can't let them go because they don't go away by themselves. You know, that, that has to be resolved. And I see that. Uh, a second, uh, what I'd call little fox, if we want to call it that, would be bitterness and unforgiveness. And this was a this is a huge one, Katie. This is one that, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have more time to talk about because there is nothing more damaging uh, than bitterness and unforgiveness. It is a poison that not only poisons the person who is bitter, but poisons all those around that person. Um, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, many are defiled. 
by the bitterness, not just you are defiled, but many are defiled. And it comes because whenever we go through an issue, God gives us grace, which is his enabling power. I like to define grace as God's enabling power. He gives us the grace to deal with that issue. If we resist that grace, then all of a sudden we're left with the flesh to try to deal that issue. And this bitterness begins to spring up and then all kinds of problems arise from that. So that's that's a whole topic just within itself. Uh, a third uh, little fox that uh, would come up that I would hear from so many couples was a lack of communication. Um, you know, couples don't talk to each other. Uh, they don't understand each other. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be sexist here. I'm just going by experience. Men are far worse than this than women, most generally, okay? Um, most generally, it's the wife who says, my husband doesn't talk to me. My husband doesn't understand me, um, that kind of thing. And, and I think there's, there's validity in that because uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, at verse 7, he writes to the husband and he says, you husbands live with your wife in an understanding way. And one of the things I've noticed about scripture is the areas that God gives us commands in are the areas that we will not do on our own. I, like, for instance, he tells husbands to love their wives in Ephesians 5. But do you know that nowhere in the Bible does he tell wives to love their husbands? Now, does that mean that wives aren't supposed to love their husbands? No, it simply means that wives kind of do that automatically. He didn't really need to command wives to do that because they're they're pretty unselfish and they're loving of their of their husband. Uh, it's men that's got to be told that love your wives like Christ loved the church. All right. So I think when you come to this First Peter thing. He, he doesn't say anywhere about the wife, you know, he doesn't say wives live with your husband in an understanding way. No, he said, husbands live with your wife in an understanding way. Why? Because we don't do that. Men just don't do that very well. You know, our wives understand everything about us. But a lot of times, men just don't understand their wives. Uh, communication for most men involves just talking, if they do that. It involves just talking. For women, communication involves not only talking, but listening and understanding. That's why men can talk and enjoy it sitting around a TV set. You can put 12 men in a room and turn a football game on, and they never look at each other. And they're just having a great time talking to each other and watching the football game and that kind of thing. But but you can't do that with your wife, okay? You can't keep watching the TV set while your wife's talking to you, even though you hear everything she says and you could repeat it because you're not you're not truly listening, you're not tuned in, you're not being understanding. And this is such a difference sometimes between men and women that it creates major, major issues. And so this lack of communication was a just a, a serious one all the time. And then a final one that might be uh, uh, surprising to some is what I call expectations. And I've talked a lot about this uh, before. This is a huge one. Matter of fact, this may be one of the most significant of uh, the little foxes. And, uh, you know, when we enter marriage, we, we all enter marriage with some expectations. Now, some of them are huge. I mean, and again, I'm not being sexist here. This is just experience. This is one where I see with women, it's women probably more than men. More, uh, they're, they're, it's more extensive, it's more intricate. Um, 
Matter of fact, women may even have them written down somewhere <laughs> before they get married. I mean, this, this is really true. They may, they, they just may have them written down what they expect out of that marriage. And they go into that marriage with these expectations. And, and then what happens is they're not fulfilled. And then when they're not fulfilled, the woman, first the woman is hurt. And then the hurt kind of turns into, well, again, back to that bitterness thing. And that hurt turns into a hardness. And then all of a sudden, when the husband finally gets around to fulfilling some of those expectations, then there's no appreciation. There's no gratitude. Why? Because you expected him to do that. There's no gratitude for the wife. Because why? You expected her to do this. So, you know, the key is you have to turn all those expectations over to God. Those four, I think, are uh, what I would call the little foxes that are the biggest of the little foxes, the unresolved conflicts, bitterness, unforgiveness, lack of communication, and expectations. They're not all of them. There's, certainly, there's more than that. But these are the ones that, as I reflected back, uh, just seem to pop up over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I could definitely, um, as you were listing those, I'm like nodding and like, yep, yep, yep. You know, in my own marriage, um, of course, but also in just in doing ministry the last few years and, and meeting with couples and sponsoring women and Josh sponsoring men, you know, I see a lot of this, the mm. same things that you've talked about. Mm. Um, I know for a, a big one, when you said expectations, that was that was probably the, one of the bigger ones in Josh in my relationship because, um, you know, I was a believer before him and, and after we met, he became a believer, but I had this expectation that he was just going to still be the spiritual head of our family right from the beginning. And, you know, and so I just, um, I expected all these really unrealistic expectations of him, um, right off the bat. And then I really, was disappointed and, uh, and he could feel that and sense that disappointment. So he felt like, you know, a failure, um, early on. And that really affected his, his self-esteem. Um, and, you know, both of those things led to, uh, you know, unresolved conflicts. Cause we were young. We didn't talk about, talk about it so much. We just were angry about it and resentful. And that's where, since we didn't deal with it, the bitterness, you know, started creeping in, especially on my part, I became bitter and, and kind of resentful and, um, you know, pushed him away. Um, so some of these all kind of, to me, look like they even connected, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, yeah. there was a connection, um, and the lack of communication, like I didn't, um, I was passive aggressive. And I talked about that in uh, the last episode, episode yes. 49, you know, on anger, my anger, like I didn't, if I did communicate it, um, I didn't do it tactfully. Um, and, and I would do it in a way that, um, you know, was passive aggressive and almost shaming. Um, and then his defenses would go up and, you know, there was the sense of, I'm never going to please her. So why try almost, you know, a kind of a, a giving up in a sense. And it was really both of us. Um, so I, I could definitely relate to a lot of those. And I know, um, if you're listening to, you know, to this episode today, you, you probably can relate to at least one or two of these as well. Um, so dad, I was just going to like, have you expand a little further, um, you know, on any one of these, um, I, I know let's take another episode to do, to just really talk about the bitterness and unforgiveness. Cause I agree mm -hmm. that's, 
that's a huge issue, um, you know, and, and would take a little more time to, to really dig in and unpack. So I'll probably do like a sequel to this episode and we can break that down a little bit more together. Um, but like the lack of communication um, and expectations, um, those two especially, what, what were some words of wisdom, some things that you maybe shared with your couples um, on these two areas specifically, or even unresolved conflict? Like, what are some things that you shared with them that could help the listener today um and and you know what biblical support does do you have to offer as well in those areas well it's interesting you know uh usually at that point uh, uh, with communication let's just take communication for instance um what i would do is uh what i had to what i had to advise the wife was usually a little different than what i had to advise the husband uh, but what I tried to get them to do was get some kind of pattern set where they had a set time in the day where they would sit down and talk with each other and listen to each other. Um, you know, basically, um, now I know so many wives work outside the home too, so they're very busy as well, plus taking care of the home. But a, a lot of times, uh, especially if a wife is home all day, the husband comes home and she's just bursting to be able to tell him what her day was. And he's just bursting to get on the couch, um, you know, and just chill. So a lot of times I would, I would say to the wife, uh, give your husband an hour, give your husband an hour to just let him sit and relax, uh, maybe watch a TV show, maybe take a nap or, or, you know, whatever he wants to do. But then I would say to the husband, make sure that you said, and I always laid this on the husband because I always felt, I always felt, and by the way, by the way, this is a stereotype thing. It's not always the husband that is like this, nor is it always the wife that is like this, but most generally it will be the husband who struggles in the area of communication. And so I would I just felt like it was the husband's responsibility to set that time. Uh, and I said, look, start small. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember the movie, What About Bob? Uh, you know, that was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But I love that, love that little book that, you know, the psychiatrist wrote called Baby Steps. You know, mm -hmm. take a little baby step. Well, I, yeah, I'm, you know, look, there's some wisdom in that. Um, you're not going to sit down. If you haven't been talking to each other for a few years, you're not going to sit down and spend an hour and a half each day talking to each other. But you know, start out. So I would start them out with 15 minutes. I said, just pick out 15 minutes, whatever you got to do with the kids. If you have to hire a babysitter, uh, you know, whatever you have to do to, to get that 15 minutes, or you get up 15 minutes early in the morning, or you put the kids to bed and you have 15 minutes before you go to bed, you know, and, and, and make it good time. Don't make it when you're both so dead tired, you're, you really don't want to hear to uh, hear each other talk anyway. Um, but Make it a set time, and basically, I would I would say to the husband, let your wife talk, affirm what she's saying, look her straight in the eye when she's talking, and do not be distracted by anything else. Um, let her know that that time is her time. And uh, you know, I found that what happened with a lot of couples out of that, it, it would just grow. 
that time would just grow. They they began to enjoy that. Um, but a lot of couples would come in. I thought it was, you know, it's kind of funny. It was sad, but funny. But a lot of couples would come in the, after the first week's assignment to do that. And they would just, they would tell me how hard it was for the 15 minutes because they just kind of looked at each other and couldn't think of what to say. And, uh, you know, well, a lot of that's because you haven't been talking. You know, you haven't been talking, you haven't been listening. And that was what I wanted to build into the husband. Uh, you know, listen to your wife. Recite back to your wife what she said to you. Mm. You know, like even in just a way of saying, um, so let me let me make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying, you know, and that kind of thing. So that it really lets your wife know that you're paying attention to what she's saying. But I think the women can do that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the women, the husband kind of spews off some things and the wife could say, no, let me see, honey, if I, if I got what you're saying here and you, you know, and that, uh, that makes a man, uh, it's interesting, uh, that makes a man feel respected mm. and a man needs to be respected and it makes a wife feel cherished and a wife needs to feel cherished. And those are biblical concepts. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 5. Let every husband love his wife and see that the wife respect her husband. Uh, it says in Ephesians 5 that the husband's responsibility is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and to nurture and cherish her, even as Christ does the church. So a woman needs to be cherish, cherished, a man needs to be respected, and that can happen in that communication piece. Yes. Um, yeah, I love that, Dad. And it was funny when you were saying that um, when I was going through my coaching course, one of the things that our instructor um, told us is to use the, um, I think the word is acronym, maybe not acronym, but WAIT. Um, mm-hmm. And she said that stands for why am I talking? So, you know, like when, when I'm coaching somebody, yeah, when I'm coaching someone, she's like, as a coach, you are 80% listening and 20% talking. Um, so if you find yourself talking a lot in your coaching sessions, you, you like need to ask yourself, wait, why am I talking? Um, like it's important to, am I just trying to get my point across or am I truly listening and curious about what, what is being said to me? And I think, you know, in relationships, so often it's almost like this battle, like I'm trying to get out my part and maybe, you know, he's half paying attention, like you said, and, and, and then I'm talking, 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 and I'm not feeling heard. So I just keep talking, uh, or he's trying to tell me something and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say in response instead of just right. listening. So neither of us, you know, at times are really truly listening to each other. Um, and another thing I thought of was the, um, you know, the, the busyness and it's like, we live in a society that is so connected yet. So disconnected at the same time. Um, like with social media and the internet, we're, we're connected all the time. We're talking all the time, you know, different people, but we're not really engaged in listening. And, you know, often I hear from other couples, and this has been with Josh and I too, that, you know, after the busy day and you'll come and sit down and you feel like I'm spending time together because I'm sitting in the same room watching Netflix you know, we've got our show and we're going to watch our show and that's quality time. Um, and it's not like, we're not face to face. We're not talking, we're not making eye contact. Um, and so I think, you know, um, a lot of couples don't really get that quality time where there's 
face-to-face interaction um, and you're you're really listening, it's it's like yeah. like you said, it's that rush when you get home and you're trying to tell everything that happened and he's tired and exhausted or vice versa. And um and and, and there's not a lot of communication going on. Um, and so there's a big disconnect between cu- couples and you know, we all have this desire to be seen and known and loved. And, and so often I feel like a lot of spouses don't feel that. And so what we see in recovery is then what happens when you're not communicating and you're not connecting with your spouse and setting this time aside, like, like you've recommended, you turn to other things. And that can, can be something that leads to some really unhealthy habits that are destructive to your marriage um, and to your own spiritual life. Like you start filling that void that you really want from your spouse with a substance or with another person or with an um, inappropriate thing on the internet that you're watching. Um, and you really want to connect with, with your spouse, but you're not getting that connection. So you turn to other things. Um, and, and so we, we often see that and, and it's, it's heartbreaking. And, and, but I can see why, you know, why people do that. Um, you know, Katie, uh, uh, a book that I'd recommend to anybody listening is, um, Emerson Eckridge's Love and Respect. Uh, It's been out for quite a while. Matter of fact, him and his wife do Love and Respect conferences. And I'd encourage any uh, married couple that if they can find one of those conferences to uh, attend them. Yeah, I've um, I've actually read that book. It was recommended a long time ago. Um, Josh and I went to um, Weekend to Remember Marriage Retreats um, through Family Life Ministry. Um, Dennis Rainey, I think it, and it was the one that started that or founded that. And, um, that was one of the, the books that they always showcased or highlighted at those marriage retreats. Um, so that was very helpful just for time's sake, dad, I wanted to just kind of close out today's episode with, if you had any, you know, for the person listening Jay, who's kind of, you know, heard you say these four, these talk about these little foxes and especially these four areas and they've identified with them. Um, what would you say to the person listening today, like would be their next right steps or like an encouragement to just kind of move them in the right direction to address some of these areas? One thing I would say, I think the, the first, the best, the greatest step that anyone can take in strengthening their marriage or restoring us, trying to restore their marriage has nothing to do with marriage uh, initially. It is focusing completely on their relationship with Christ. Uh, And I say that, you know, because of this, so often people come in for counseling and, um, you know, what they really want is not counseling. They want to fix. And what they want fixed is the other spouse, In other words, you know, they want me to fix their wife or they want me to fix their husband because the marriage will work if you just fix this person. But the success of the marriage isn't about fixing another person. It's about the relationship with God. And so actually what I do is I I almost treat them separately to say what I want you to do for the next several weeks is just work on your relationship with Christ. How is that? I mean, I ask specific questions. I won't go into those today, but I ask very specific questions to find out where each of them are at in their walk with Christ, because that, 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 that's a huge thing. People, people don't 
walk right with God and wrong with each other. You know, now if you're in a marriage where one of you is walking with the Lord and the other isn't, then you're still going to have problems. Uh, there's still obviously going to be conflict there. Um, but when both uh, husband and wife are seeking the Lord and they are strengthening their own walk with Christ, it has to begin to spill over into the marriage. Um, so, you know, if, you know, from a negative standpoint, I've just always believed that two people will never divorce that are walking right with God. Uh, when there's a breakdown in the marriage, it isn't a breakdown in the marriage first. It's always a breakdown in somebody's relationship with Christ, uh, disobedience to the word someplace. Okay. So it, it's kind of like I say, fix you. Now, obviously, I don't mean fix you um in kind of a fleshly way but let the lord fix you i guess is what i would say let god take care of your spouse you let god point out the things to you to make you a better person a better wife a better mom a better uh a man a better husband a better father you know don't don't worry about and be concerned about how uh, your spouse is responding to these things i always tell couples this when you're standing before the judgment seat of christ which is a, a judgment for believers based upon reward that Paul talks about in Second uh, Corinthians ten and Romans chapter fourteen and and or excuse me Second Corinthians chapter five Romans chapter fourteen and First Corinthians three. Uh, you know it, it, when he asked me about marriage when I have to give a count about my marriage I'm not going to be able to point to my wife and say well you know if she would have just I'd have done better if she'd have been no it's not going to happen it's just going to be me and him and I'm going to give a count for me and I and so the issue is focus on those responsibilities you have in the marriage in your relationship with Christ uh you know become the best you that you can be in the spirit of of God as a matter of fact uh, it's interesting, Ephesians chapter 5, a very familiar passage, verse 18, there, the verse says this, don't be drunk with wine in which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then that passage goes on to talk about how the filling of the Spirit, and to be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit. It, it, and it goes on to talk about what the results of that are. And it's, uh, you know, like if, uh, if if you just read it, it'll say, it talks about the music you'll listen to. It talks about the attitude you'll have. You'll always give thanks for everything to God the Father. It talks about how you'll relate to other people. You'll submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. And then it goes right into the marriage relationship about wives submitting to their husbands is unto the Lord. Husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. Parents, you know, the way you bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, children, obeying your parents, all of that is the result of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so absolutely essential that uh, your walk with the Lord is where it needs to be. That's where I always start in marriage counseling, because that's where it has to start. So that is the one and only thing I would say today, is make sure you're right with God. Because you know what? Um, you can have you you can be in a relationship where one spouse is not walking with the Lord, and you can still have joy because you are walking with the Lord. But if you're trying to find your joy and happiness from your spouse, first of all, you're you're putting a pressure on them that God didn't want your joy and happiness to come from them. Ultimately, He wanted it to come from Him, and so that's that to me is the most important thing. Do an introspection of where you are 
uh, in your walk with the Lord and let God take care of your spouse. Yes, dad. Um, well, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, and that's really where, um, I found the most, you know, healing in for Josh and I was, um, exactly what you said, you know, I think for a long time, and I've shared this before that I would try to, um, fix him or change him. And if he would just get right, get his life right and start doing things right, then our marriage would be better and I would be happier. Um, and the, the thing that happened was when he did come home from treatment and he was like, you know, really drawing close to the Lord. Um, I still wasn't, I was, I was still not happy. Um, I was almost jealous of him and, and because I hadn't dealt with my own, um, my own issues. Um, and I was still focused on, on him and not me. And so when I, I started like really focusing on my relationship with, with, with Christ and drawing closer to him, um, and Josh was focusing on his relationship, um, with God and focusing on his issues, we started getting, drawing closer together, um, not only to our relationship with Christ, but with each other, it was overflowing into our marriage. Um, and so it was just, I, I just found that to be so true in our own life. Um, and it's like, now I don't, um, you know, I don't have the same expectations. I really enjoy the relationship with my husband more, um, because I'm really getting more of my, my fulfillment and contentment and peace from my relationship with Christ. Um, and so I'm, that frees me up. I feel like it frees Josh up for us just to love each other and enjoy being husband and wife. Um, so I, I really agree with everything you said. Um, so dad, I just wanted to thank you so much for just taking the time out of your schedule to be here. Um, as I said earlier, I just love the, the depth of scripture that you bring, um, to the show. And so I wanted to let everybody know, um, that, you know, my dad does have a YouTube channel, um, available now. Um, he just finished a series on knowing God which was incredible. And so um, I will put the link to his YouTube um, channel in my show notes. So definitely check that out. If um, you enjoy listening to my dad, like I do, um, and just learning, um, digging deeper into the word of God, that is the focus of his YouTube channel. And um, so I will put that in the show notes and make sure you check that out. So dad, thank you so much again. And um, if you wouldn't mind just closing us in prayer today, that would be great. Yes, Katie, uh, I'd love to close in prayer for this session. Father, we do want to thank you for this opportunity to share together. Uh, Lord, we don't know who all is listening, but you know. We don't know ever who all needs the things that we talk about, but we know that we need your word and we need your truth. And uh, Father, for anybody that's listening, Father, that finds himself in... Uh, a struggle in their marriage, maybe in the things that we talked about today, I pray that you'd give them hope, confidence, that as they turn to you, Lord, you are the great healer. You're the great fixer of our lives, of our marriage. May they turn to you with all of their hearts. May they listen to these things we've talked about. Take the scriptures that we've shared. Let them saturate their heart and mind. You, you are for us. Father, you are for our marriages. You are not against us. The enemy is against us. So remind everyone who's listening today, Father, that you are for their marriage. You want their marriage. Your glory is dependent upon their marriage being good. And so I pray 
Father, that uh, there would be a joyfulness, an expectation, a hope that's been rekindled, um, that that people would be confident, Father, they can have a marriage that you want them to have that will be uh, that will be glorifying to you, but will bring blessing and joy and happiness to them. And so we thank you for this time we've had together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey friend, are you feeling stuck? Maybe in your relationship with God, yourself, or other people in your life. As a professional life and relationship coach, I can help you discover unhealthy patterns and mindsets that are holding you back from experiencing more fulfilling relationships and stepping into that God-sized calling in your life with confidence. You can email me at katie at anchoredinalways.com or go to bit.ly forward slash anchored in discovery to schedule your free 20-minute discovery session with me to see how we can partner together. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode and would like to connect and learn more, join our community on Facebook at Anchored in Always. I will put all of these links in the show notes for you. Lastly, I want to bring this message of hope and healing to as many hurting people as possible. So help spread the love by sharing this podcast on your social media outlets. Please take a quick minute to subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you for anchoring in with me today. God bless you as you weather your storms.